Turn in your Bible, please, to James, the fifth chapter. James, chapter 5. May we bow together in a moment of prayer, please. Our Father, we thank Thee for the joy and privilege of being in God's house tonight. We pray for the empowering of the Holy Spirit upon our hearts and minds and lives. And may we see Jesus. May He speak to our hearts. If there's one person here this evening who has never been saved, may that one come to Christ. We thank you that God is able to make all grace abound even in the face of hurt and sorrow and physical disability. We pray tonight for the freedom and the liberty and the convicting power of God's wonderful spirit to encourage the Christians and to save the lost. In Jesus' name, amen. In James chapter 5, beginning to read with verse 7, And we will be reading some of the same scripture we read this morning. And James is so important, I don't believe it will hurt us to read it twice the same day. James 5, beginning with verse 7. Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Behold, the farmer waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth, and hath long patience for it until he receive the early and latter rain. Be ye also patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord draweth near. Murmur not one against another, brethren, lest ye be judged. Behold, the judge standeth before the door. Take my brethren the prophets who have spoken in the name of the Lord for an example for suffering affliction and of patience. Behold, we count them happy who endure. You have heard of the patience of Job and have seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. But above all things, my brethren, swear not, neither by heaven, neither by the earth, neither by any other oath, but let your yea be yea, and your nay Nay, lest ye fall into condemnation. Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Is any merry? Let him sing psalms. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick. And the Lord shall raise him up. And if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that ye may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Elijah was a man subject to like passions as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain. And it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. Brethren, if any of you do err from the truth, and one convert him, let him know that he who converteth a sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sins. 
The entire fifth chapter is connected together by a thread that runs through almost as if the entire chapter focused on each verse. And each verse connects to the other verse. And the entire theme of the scripture, this passage, is summed up in verses 7 and 8. Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Now notice the therefore. Every time you see a therefore, you can ask, what's the therefore, therefore? Be patient, therefore, brethren. On the basis of what he said in verses 1 through 6, the dangers concerning riches, the dangers concerning gold and silver, the dangers concerning the withholding of honest money that should be given as honest wages to people, the danger of living in pleasure, and the danger of lust, Therefore, brethren, be patient unto the coming of the Lord. And then he gives some illustrations. Look at the farmer. He waits for the precious fruit of the earth. In other words, he sows the corn, and then he waits for that corn to sprout. He sets out the various things that he sets out, and then he waits. He goes out and abundantly sows wheat, and then he waits for the harvest. And he waits for the precious fruit of the earth. And he hath long patience for it until, until what? He receive the early and the latter rain. Be ye also patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. And then from verse 9 to the end of the chapter, he builds on top. Of that from verses 1 through 6 he gives all the problems that a Christian will face the book of James is exceedingly practical exceedingly practical it's an entire five chapter treatise on how to mix an ounce of faith with a pound of works so that it comes out even and that ounce of faith, just as it were a little grain of mustard seed, just a tiny speck of faith that lays hold of the great promises of God, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And this forms the basis for our faith. Then Peter reminds us, build on your faith, virtue, and knowledge, and all of those wonderful things. And James says, if you've really got faith, you need to mix with it works. Because if you have faith that produces no works, your faith is dead faith. And so in these first six verses, we might have verses that suggest a way for us to test whether our faith is vital and virile and real. How does our faith relate where the rubber hits the road. How does our faith relate to our money, 
to our treasures, to our workaday world? How does it relate to the lusts of the flesh? And then, beginning in verse 9 and building to the end of the chapter, he suggests ways to establish and endure or ways to prove our patience or to aid us in patience. He says, murmur not. Look at the prophets, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, Moses, Elijah, all those great prophets. Look at Job, all the things that he suffered. Don't think that because you're saved by grace through faith, you're exempt from problems. They're coming. Problems are coming. And if you haven't had any yet, just sit around a while, they'll be there. They'll come knocking at your door, sometimes cruelly, sometimes suddenly, sometimes in the middle of the night with a terrible telephone ring, sometimes with an awful crash. The problems are coming. And James says, if you have a faith, you've laid hold of the promises of God, you're established in Jesus Christ, Christ is your Lord and Savior, there will be problems. Be patient in the face of the problems. They're coming. Don't try to avoid them. Don't run scared when they come. Don't pull your head down under the sand like an ostrich and pretend like they're not there. They're there. They're real. Even sickness. Dr. Lee said, I went to Boston, and I went and knocked on the gate where Mary Baker Eddy lived. I said to the gardener that came, Mary Baker Eddy was the, Eddy was the founder of Christian science. He said to the gardener that came, I want to see Mary Baker Eddy. All the gardeners said, you can't see her. Well, I want to see her. Why can't you see Why can't I see her? She's dead. Dr. Lee said, I thought she didn't, she thought that, that death wasn't real. That sickness wasn't real. But she finally succumbed to it too. Catherine Kuhlman. And I'm not being critical or ugly when I mention these names. I love them in Christ. Catherine Kuhlman taught that it was never God's will for anybody to be sick. If anybody was sick, something was wrong. You didn't have enough faith. She died of cancer. And I was in Louisville not long ago listening to WFIA, and lo and behold, her voice is still coming over the radio teaching the same thing that she taught while she was here. I want to tell you, God does not guarantee that just because you're saved, you're not going to get sick. He does not guarantee that just because you're saved, you're not going to have any problems. They will come. Problems will be real. What are we going to do about them? Well, James says, look at Job. If you want an example, Job was a man, the Scripture says he eschewed evil, he hated it, he loved God with all of his heart. And then one day a runner came and said, Mr. Job, Mr. Job, there's been a terrible thing happen and all of your children are dead and your lands have been confiscated and your cattle is gone, nothing's left. I'm the only one left to tell you about it. To make a short story, a long story short, Job went in, sat in the hearth, in potsherds and ashes. Mrs. Job came along and said, Ha ha ha, you old character, 
this God that you've trusted? What kind of God is he? Let all this happen. Why don't you curse God and die? And Brother Job said, you talk like one of the foolish women. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now James says when the problems come, remember Job. They're coming. Don't pretend like they're not coming. They're there. They're real. They're part of life. What are you going to do about them? If you've run with the horses and they weary you, what will you do in the rising of the Jordan? And then he says, is anybody afflicted? Implying that people are going to be afflicted. What are we to do? Send for the elders of the church. Let them pray. Anoint them with oil. And pray over them. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails a whole lot, James says. In other words, when somebody is saved and they are giving themselves to prayer, God hears their whisper. God hears them pray. John Knox used to get on his knees and pray. He prayed for Scotland. And Mary, Queen of Scots, said, I don't fear anything in the kingdom except John Knox. Kill him. I don't want him to pray. Do people fear your prayer life? When they see you go to the closet of prayer to pray, do they get scared and say, well, something's going to happen because you pray. That's what he tells us to do. Pray. Pray. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Now, you think these are not days to pray? You think these are not days that try the very patience and hearts of men? I've got clippings here that if I read them all, they'd make your hair stand on, the head, on your head. Stand up. Listen to this. A Utah man is battling to legalize polygamy in America. The communist officials urge greater fervor for atheism. A Bible-reading Air Force guard faces court-martial. If he had been reading a Playboy magazine, there'd been no problem. But because he was reading the Bible, the Air Force is going to court-martial him. A student takes a look at teen pregnancy and one statement from this. The newspaper, article, the newspaper editor said, I asked her if she was embarrassed she was going to have a baby out of wedlock. Her answer shows how a lot of girls feel. Good heavens, why should I feel embarrassed? What's embarrassing about having a baby? Oh, I know I'm not married, but who needs to be these days? My old man was uh, a bit upset at first, but as soon as my parents saw Joshua, they decided to adopt them themselves. Now, I'm not criticizing the little baby. I'm just reading you an article. Surely an unmarried partner is a significant other. And on and on I could go. California Institute is offering graduate courses in sexology. Parents and schools should beware and hear they talk about unnameable things. And on and on, listen to this. A reporter says Moon seeks to be the world political leader. In China, our State Department has agreed on Coca-Cola, but not the Bible being imported there. H-U-D, nobody ever heard of them, did they? HUD is quietly opening public housing to unmarried couples. You're paying the bill on that. America no longer, lead, needs, no longer leads the world in individual income. A secret climate controlled by the Soviet Union. In other words, the Soviets are in all probability having something to do with the strange climate system that's going on in America right now. 
Oh, I could go on and on. You, we need patience. Patience for days like these. And then the, the, James says, Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Maranatha, Christ is coming. Who was James? James was the half-brother of our Lord. And he doesn't try to get in on that. He doesn't say, look at me, I'm James, the half-brother of Jesus, and boy, my buddy, 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 brother Jesus said this and this and this. He doesn't say anything like that. He begins his epistle by saying, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. Who was James? In 69 A.D., in 70 A.D., Titus came down to, to Palestine. Now, Titus was a Roman emperor, a Roman uh, soldier, Roman general. And Titus was given orders by his leader, by the Caesar of, of Rome, to take over Israel and take over what, is, what we call Israel, Palestine, Jerusalem, and so on. So he came down and began to besiege the city. Annas, one year before that, Annas, who was the high priest, and you recognize the name Annas, Caiaphas and Annas, who were living in the day of Jesus, both of whom, before whom Jesus appeared, Annas hated James. He hated what he preached. He hated the whole church. He hated the whole Christian movement. And he had James put up on the pinnacle of the temple and then he had a man pushing off the pinnacle of the temple and he splattered on the streets below. And then he had a mob down there that stoned him to death. That's the man that wrote this. He said, be patient, my brethren. Look at the prophets. There's a time of trouble coming. The time of trouble is coming. It will not always be easy to preach the Word. It will not always be easy to stand by the Word. It will not always be easy to stand for what you know is true. But be patient, my brethren, and wait for the rain. The rain? What was the rain? In the Holy Land, there are only two rainy seasons. If, it was, if, if the rainy season is long delayed, there'll be a famine. It was true then, it's true today. We, we're, we're accustomed to having rain in June and July and November and December and January and February and March. And every month, you know, it rains. But in the Holy Land, it only rains about twice a year. There's a season of rain. The early rain fell during the autumn sowing in October, November, and December. The latter rain fell in March and April. And when the farmer would sow the wheat, or when he would sow his crop, put his crop out, he would wait for the rain. Now, they didn't have sprinkling systems like we have. They didn't go get, turn the water faucet on and take the hose out every evening and water their garden and water their crops and like they're doing in Israel now. Israel is a new land. If you go to that place today, you find irrigation systems in which they're irrigating the land when there's no rain. But in the day in which this scripture was written, the farmer had to wait for the rain. And he had the patience. And you know what else he had to do? He had to look up. When the rain didn't come, it sent him to his knees. 
And that's what James is saying. James is saying, be patient, my brethren. Be patient. And second, Wait for the Lord to intervene when the troubles come and the problems come and the perplexities come and everything is not going as it should go. Look up. Look up and pray. Oh, do we pray today? How much have we prayed over the problems that plague America today? We may be heading for a financial bust. We may be heading for a world monetary system in which the dollar alternately passes away. And as a matter of fact, the scripture says that in the latter day, in the day of the tribulation, men cannot buy nor sell except they have the mark of the beast in their forehead or in their arm, in their hand. And we may be very, very, very near that hour today. We're right on the brink of something happening. And the love of many is waxing cold. And the Christian movement is under scrutiny like it has never been under scrutiny in the 200 years of American history. In the early days of the colony of Virginia, there was a man who was being whipped just out at the edge of town. A statesman came along on his horse and he saw this thing going on and he looked. The man was being lashed and whipped unmercifully. The statesman said, who is this man? What has he done? He was told, this is a Baptist preacher and he refused to get a license. He's being whipped. And that statesman was Patrick Henry, and he went back to the Virginia legislature. And he stood in the legislature and he said, give me liberty or give me death. And he was instrumental in having written into the Constitution of Virginia and later to the Constitution of the United States that men who preached the Word of God did not have to have a license from the state to preach. And the church did not have to have a license. But we're living in a day when that is under attack all over America. What does James say about it? Be patient. Pray. And last of all, look up, for your redemption draweth nigh. Be patient unto the coming of the Lord. Jesus is coming. Oh, I'm so glad we don't just live in an age that says, well, everything's going to go on like it always has, business as usual. It's going to be like this, always been like this, always will be like this, and things are going to be all right, and so on. And history is just a cycle, and it goes around and around and around and around and around and around and around. doesn't mean to get anywhere. No, no. The Word of God says that history is His story. History is His story. God is in charge. The Lord is in charge. And as the world goes mushing, rushing mad long toward an appointment with God, it gets angrier and angrier and angrier at God. Because who's in charge of the world today? The prince of the power of the air, and he knows that his time is short. And he's doing everything he can to addle the people of God. 
And it's going to get more severe. Not going to get better. It's going to get more severe. But for the people of God, what does James say? Be patient. Be prayerful. Be prepared. Look up. Be ready. Jesus is coming. Our Lord is coming. The blessed Lord who said, I will come again and receive you unto myself. He is coming again. Are you ready for him to come? Do you know that your name is written in heaven? Do you know that if Jesus would come tonight, you'd be ready? That you'd know him. You have him living in your heart and you could say, Jesus, I trusted you back there a number of years ago. I, I followed you in baptism. I've confessed you. I know you and I love you. Have you done that? Is Jesus living in your heart? If he hasn't, when he comes, you're not going to be ready. If he has, when he comes, he's going to take you up with him. Oh, how sweet. Suppose Jesus would come tonight. Those ceiling wood pieces wouldn't be in the way because all of us who know Jesus would be taken up. But we wouldn't go first. Out there in the cemeteries, there'd be a rumbling of the dirt. And those who have been sown in weakness would be raised in power. Those who have been sown mortal bodies would be raised immortal bodies. And there would be a reunion of the soul and the body caught up together with the Lord. And then we would be caught up and we'll be with Jesus. And there will take place the judgment seat of Christ and the marriage supper of the Lamb. And we'll be with the Lord forever. And down here on the earth, the awful tribulation will set in. And if you're not ready when Jesus comes, you'll be left here to go through that awful tribulation. We're seeing a little bit of it now, but not much. When you think of it, not much. You can still go to Sunday school, boys and girls. There's still a bus that comes by and gets you all and takes you to Sunday school every Sunday. There's still bus pastors that come over and knock on your door and say, can Johnny and Joel and Richard go to church today? Can they go with you to Sunday, with us to Sunday school? There are still people that go out in the highways and hedges and win people to Christ, like Brother Mel and Brother Bill went over and won some people the other day. And others of you went out and won people to Jesus Christ. That's still going on. But I want to tell you, when Jesus comes again, that's not going to go on any longer because it'll be against the law. And nobody in the tribulation will be able to buy or sell unless they have that mark of the beast. And if you refuse to have the mark of the beast, immediately you're killed. And James says, brethren, be prepared. Be ready. Jesus is coming. Be ready. Don't be afraid. Don't wring your hands and pull your hair and take your pills and pop pills to wake up and sleeping pills to go to sleep and, and all kinds of pills to try to make you dull your thinking and not face reality. James says, brethren, look up. Jesus is coming. Face the reality and be ready. Let's pray. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Our Father, we thank Thee that Jesus is coming to this earth again. Oh, what a wonderful day. Maybe tonight. Maybe tomorrow. Maybe before we meet again next week, the Lord will have come. We pray that someone here this evening will open his heart to Jesus will trust the Savior as his own personal Savior and will enlist in the King's army to go for God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Will you stand, please?
We're going to sing God's invitation. And as we sing, the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart. If you're here without Jesus, you've never been saved, you've never trusted Him as your personal Savior, I want to urge you to come to Him now, just as you are. Don't try to get better first. Don't say, well, I'm going to wait and ask my mom and dad. I'm going to wait till some other time. You come tonight. If Jesus has spoken to your heart and you want Jesus in your heart, you come tonight. In just a moment, we're going to start singing, and I want to ask, wherever you are, wherever you're standing, just come right here. I'd like to meet you here. We want to show you something from the Bible about how to be saved and how to know you're going to heaven. And then we're going to kneel and pray. If you're already saved, you come confessing Christ. If you're a member of some of the church and God wants you here, you come. If you've been in turmoil and trouble and perplexed and you haven't had patience and you've wondered and you've been wringing your hands and you've been scared to death, over internal problems that plague your heart, why don't you just say, Jesus, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, I'm going to make my request known to God. I'm going to be patient. I'm going to pray, and I'm going to be prepared for the Lord's coming. And then go on serving Jesus. Whatever God's Holy Spirit has said to you tonight, do it. While we begin to sing, Who'll step out first for the king? Will you come right now?